0: Hey guys, Cheese here. This is an interview I did with Aaron's CEO live from Sherm in Vegas. Unfortunately, my mic had some issues, so I've re recorded my questions for this edit. Don't worry, the answers sound fine, but there may not be as organic a feel as usual. Enjoy. I'm here. This is me. <laughs> <laughs> you do exist. I, I'm not just I a sloth herder <laughs> yeah. in, uh, in Pittsburgh, which is nice. Some of our listeners don't know you and they don't know Aaron. Give them the elevator pitch.
2: Yeah, so Aaron is an employee referral and internal mobility platform. We make employees recruiters. I mean, that's our that's our uh, pitch. The outcome of what we do is more hires from employee referrals. So that's what we sell.
0: So what's your background?
2: So I'm actually a nerd gone, um, sales guy gone business guy. So degree in computer science. Um, but, like, Super Blue collar, mix that all in as well. My dream, and I'm not, I'm not like, exaggerating here. I was going to go to college, and I was going to be the guy that replaced keyboards for people um, because I thought you could make some good money doing that. Like, working in a big business, oh, like, Mike, my L key doesn't work. And, like, I show up and swap it out. They're like, you saved the day. Like, that was my mission. I was good at fixing computers, right?
0: And how old were you?
2: I mean, that was this college. Was like I, I was going to graduate college, and, like, get- my internships were for Fortune 500 companies, like, doing back office, help desk stuff.
0: What did your parents do?
2: Uh, nurse and like machine room, right? So like, like oh, this is an, a college educated boy doing computer stuff.
0: <laughs> your dream was to replace the L key.
2: Now you gotta remember, this is like uh, two th- the L well, key specifically, yeah, but there were other keys that I had my eyes on as well. Um, the This is like 2009, right? So like graduating college, like you can get a good job like helping people with tech. Now, that was short-lived, so I had some internships, uh, got a, basically from there on, the, the abbreviated version is got some really cool jobs at startups, and only worked at startups essentially my whole professional career, and I got to see, you know, companies go from nine employees to 250 employees, and be part of that, right? So I started essentially as help desk, like dream come true, right? Like making 45 grand a year and i made it like one, that going to one steelers game a year ah, dude, pittsburgh <laughs> 45k in 2009 like i mean that was a good out of college job like i was i was not complaining at all and benefits are excellent benefits so anyway i get in there and i quickly realize yeah you know, there's a lot of dumb people out there so the if you can talk about complicated things in a way that doesn't make people feel dumb like it's something that people rewarded and, and that happened at the startups I worked at. So became a sales engineer. So I eliminated the technical hurdles on a sales cycle. Eventually eventually quit to become a salesperson because I wanted the glory. And then I realized sales is way harder than everybody thinks. I mean extremely, extremely hard. It's fun to look at. I don't think it's easy. Everyone thinks it's easy because, like, because their perception of what sales is is what we're doing right now drinking in Vegas, you know, hanging out, expense cards. Like, yeah, they don't realize the average salesperson's life expectancy is like 16 months at a company, right? So, like, it's high pressure, but you know, fun. Uh, And then eventually got into starting a few companies, and now we're here at Aaron.
0: So, what was it about employment that made you say, oh, yeah. I want some of that my dad when i was younger was stiffed out of a referral bonus and i said i'm gonna fix that
2: no kidding. <laughs> i'm basically batman right like it's a, yeah. honestly the the story is kind of unique I was helping a lot of startups so again so i had a lot of startup experience through various companies and kind of like a triple threat in the tech background sales guy uh, with a touch of marketing right and i was working at call it like a venture builder it's like a fund that wanted to start companies and they had several companies, and they made the mistake of hiring a bunch of high up people out of big banks. And they're like, "Here's a company, run it." And they're like, "Okay, great." They have all these ideas. Like, now who does the work? And I come in, and be like, "You have to do the work." Like, this is how you do it. Um, and then through that, like, recruitment became a focus for us. And eventually, like, Aaron was just something I designed like on the side, and it became its own thing. Like, so. Uh, Although the reason we started, is kind of different than a lot of people out there. It was still like, a, I mean, I designed every pixel from day one. I just went out there to sort of talking to people in New York. I'm like, hey, like we're going to do blockchain referrals. This is 2018, right? So like, so blockchain and AI were things we had to say. Now it's funny because it's 2023, you still have to say AI. It's like come back. The pandemic put it on pause, but like, it's like, no, 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 we'll sell it again. But uh, so I'm out there like blockchain, AI, like displaced recruiters. And people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. But if you can give me more employee referral hires, I'll pay for that. And then so really just zeroed in on that problem okay. and then built a solution around it. The name Aaron.
0: Yeah. Talk about that.
2: Okay. So the it's an acronym, uh, Employee Referral Invitation Network, right? Ooh. But the real reason, I remember specifically, uh, my kid was like two years old and putting in the bed. And I get this, this email from one of the guys at the Venture Builder, right? And he's like, it's an article about how... Companies with human names have higher investments and higher customer satisfaction ratings, right? And it like cited like Marcus, Casper, all these things. And the, and part of their premise was is that it felt like a person and like a more of like a thing rather than like work, right? Like so if I was like you know, employee referral business, right? Yeah. Like who gives a shit about that? So anyway, I got this article, um, started of just thinking of like HR type names. Like, what's like a fun person in HR? Uh-huh. Um, so the first one was Layla. Right. Layla. Like Layla app sounds cool. Sure. Layla.com's is just like tons of porn. Um, so like couldn't use that one. So so Aaron, not as much porn. <laughs> yeah. Around yeah. The name Aaron. Significantly less porn on Aaron. <laughs> so then the name kind of Aaron popped in my head. And then like the ER was an obvious like employee referrals and then kind of worked the acronym backwards from there. But it worked out.
0: So we got there. Clearly why Ask Jeeves is still the number one uh, search engine in the world. People <laughs> people really connect with those names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a great example of the success story with higher yeah, yeah, obviously. <laughs> so you mentioned competition and standing out. The referral business, obviously there's no public company uh, yeah. in this business that yeah. has, has struck it rich. Many have come and gone, and I don't, I don't need to sort of turn the pages on those history. But you look at First Bird that was acquired recently. Teamable, uh, work taps, yep. which I got from Google. I actually don't know if they're I a don't even know if they yeah, Don't so, give them any
2: credit. They don't yeah, exist. In so, thing.
0: how are you different? Because yeah, it yeah. seems like companies buy this stuff, they don't like it, no one uses it, they yep. try someone else. How are you guys going to cut through that? Yeah,
2: I mean, I, I think there's a few layers there, right? And and maybe uh, to flip just one page back in the history book. I mean, we were super naive when we started. Like, it was it was not like I came out of like an HR office. And I was like, referrals can be better. Like we were just trying to, to build a solid business, yeah. um, and solve, and solve just a legitimate like problem. If you get me more referral hires, I'll buy that. That was what everything was based off of. Um, so actually when we started, there was a whole bunch of other companies and the gimmick back in the day we didn't even know about half of them. Like, we were ignorant, right? Yeah. So the gimmick back in the day was like, connect your network, we'll tell you who to refer. That's actually the whole premise that got the company started. Without that idea of connect your network, we'll make it easier to refer, we would never have started the company. That was our whole pitch back in the day. Yeah. We've gotten off that because we realized one, so there's about five every other companies that did that back then. Mm-hmm. Teamable, Boone, Drafted. All of them have like gone under fire sales or something like that. Yeah. And it's because they stuck on that. So where we shifted pretty quickly is through the pandemic. We realized that referrals is an enterprise problem. The bigger you are, the harder it becomes to, to get the numbers up. And we solve that at scale, right? So the value exponentially is bigger. What, what got us through, let's just go off track for a second, what got us through some of that up and down of the pandemic is just large enterprise deals. And once we were able to solve that problem for enterprise, we were able to kind of work backwards from there and then educate the lower end of the market on like, this is what you need to go from 10% higher from referrals to 30, 35. Yeah. And then we can start making some big claims about like, look, here's your business at 10%. At 35%, this is what it looks like. Go tell your CFO that, right? Like, So the difference, you know, I think, coming full circle on this is like, we're truly like an ROI driven product. Like, do you, like we talked earlier today, we had a little session here. I said, if you cannot save money by hiring more employee referral hires, you should not invest in employee referrals. Right. So obviously like we know that you're gonna save money yeah. The trick is, is how do you get there, right? And in part of that play where I think people have missed is one, that they actually didn't listen to their customers. So, so the superpower we had, and somebody told me to stop saying this, but I'm gonna keep saying it, is like like since we had no preconceived notion about what the solution looks like, yeah. we just listened to our customers and built what they needed and then we were able to sell that to other people, right? So so some of the things that we're doing, specifically for enterprise, but that again, it's trickled down to mid-market, it, like our competitors don't even touch. Like they, they don't even say the words that we're saying on, yeah. on the sales call. So, so I feel like we have a little bit of an advantage there. But maybe uh, to wrap it up, when you look at a lot of the acquisitions that have happened, it's definitely been because like they're like, oh, this is a good feature of something bigger, yeah. right? And they bring it in. And and like look, it, that could naturally happen to any startup. I think as soon as you get success, somebody wants to make it part of their suite, and they're good. Yeah. Yeah. But where we're really, where I'm personally really excited about the future is I think HR tech and, and AI and talent acquisition all together are kind of in a weird spot right now. And what I mean by that is, I mean, realistically, in five, 10 years, you're going to have less people in talent acquisition than you have today. They're they're being replaced by AI plays and efficiency plays. We're not here to replace recruiters, but we're here to keep humans involved in the process. And I think as the dynamic of a talent acquisition team changes, meaning you have more sysadmins than necessarily recruiters. Yep. Um, keeping humans involved in that process is a really appealing thing to the future. That's not just referrals; it's a lot of things you can get out of that. Yep. And so, so, we really look at it like we're an employee first product. And now that we're in the employees' pockets, with two million employees using the system in hundred countries, yep. like what else can you do for that employee? Right? I will buy into you. Cannot be an employee referral product forever. If that's all that you ever do, you, there's a ceiling that you'll run into. But I think we have a foundation for some pretty appealing uh, okay. plays, especially because of the mobile play that we have.
0: Okay. Is it fair to say that companies do not have more than one referral solution? Yeah, I mean that's that's a pretty safe bet. Okay, so you're replacing it generally what it, what someone already has. Is it like the ATS where yeah. I, everybody hates their ATS? Yeah. Everyone hates yeah. their referral program and they're looking to change. Yeah, and how but, hard is that change to make? Yeah, it's a great question.
2: But honestly, it, it's it's actually not, like replacement would be a big word for it because like because the, the ATSs have a feature that allows referrals, but they don't get deep, right? Like it's just like, oh, here's like a share button. I mean, that's really what it is. And then you can see if the source is yep. a share or like on the application, hey, how did you get find out about us? And they say, oh, somebody referred me, right? <laughs> that's, that's the extent of the ATS referral programs. Um, The, like, we go like way deeper about that and and the problem with those solutions, so we don't necessarily look at those as competitors, but somebody that doesn't give a shit about raising referrals from 10% to 35%, they're fine with that. Like, so, but they're not our customer anyway, because if they they don't care to hire more than 10% higher from referrals, why would they even talk to us? So they're cool with the out of the box tech, but if you wanted to be at 35%, none of those solutions can get you there. The, The real difference is creating that experience for the employee. Because the employees don't use the ATSs, right? Those are candidate-focused products. We're an employee-focused product.
0: You did not say the death of recruiting or the recruiter. I want to make that perfectly <laughs> clear. Yeah, yeah. But this feels a lot like a marketing tool to me. Do you see more of what you do and what, what, more of what marketing does bleed into recruitment and are you sort of in the in the pole position to take advantage of that? Yeah, yeah. I
2: mean, so with the larger customers that we work with, they'll have like a recruitment marketing initiative, right? Whether they outsource it or um, you know they have somebody dedicated to it. So it's it's interesting uh, when they get pulled into the conversation because it's definitely like a communications issue, right? At first, yeah. like one of, one of the biggest problems for why referral policies fail today is because nobody knows about it, right? then the second is that nobody knows how to participate and then the third is that it's a bullshit experience you have no no idea what happens after you yeah. participate so communications is a big part of solving all three of those problems so it's it's starting to get blurry there and honestly you know where i see the business headed is a lot more recruitment marketing as yep. well but like through the employees i'll give you a simple example uh, we were talking earlier about newspapers and, and whatnot like sure. like a billboard to advertise jobs like maybe effective in some markets but what's really effective is when you have Somebody make a 10 second video on TikTok and they have 50,000 likes and like nobody wants to see like an ad there. They want to see real people, quick hit stuff. So how do you get your employees, like your employees are the ones that have to do it. You yeah. can't manufacture that. So how do you really tap into viral and you got to get through the employees to do that. That's where I see like referrals maturing with technology in general. is like for, with consumers yep. and, and especially in certain industries, like, you know, we, we were talking earlier, if. Like, it's one thing if you're looking for a bunch of accountants, but high volume retail, hospitality, yeah. things like that. Like, you're, you're not, billboards aren't going to work. You need to be a, a more in, like, the current tech. door reviews, super popular. So why can't you reward your employees for helping you with those things? So, like, employee referrals traditionally is, like, get me a hire. Mm-hmm. It's actually not that. It's share this job. Push it out there. Let the world know that we're hiring. Help us with that. And, and our whole take with the current product is that you should reward that behavior. So if you're sharing a bunch of jobs for me, like I should give you something for that, whether it's a gift card or like a giveaway or whatever it may be. So same thing goes with class store reviews, viral videos, like those are things that should be rewarded as well. And the other thing, people don't think like the first first part of the gig economy was employee referrals, right? It's no different than, hey, like go drive me here and I'll give you a couple bucks. Yeah, Employee referrals is the same thing. Hey, go be talent acquisition for a day. And I'll give you two grand, right? Like tapping into that and like, I think really pulling back that experience and then breaking that down and spreading that across tens of thousands of employees, you're going to see a lot of roles within a company, not just down in acquisition, I think kind of like decentralized, we'll say, and split up like, hey, like I'll give you 50 grand a year to do this job, but I'll give you an extra grand a week if you do this job, right? Like I think there's going to be a lot of how the world changes in the next 10 years and I hope to be able to capitalize on it. Yeah, it,
0: it's always felt more marketing to me than recruiting, like Commission Junction was you know, the original, or Amazon's affiliate program. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Training people to have a unique URL, share it with the yeah. world, and everything bought. That always seemed like a natural fit, and it always seemed like that would be something marketing would understand. Yeah, like yeah, How do we get more hires, more exposure to opportunities through that mechanism? There was a company, and part of me thinks this is generational, there was a company called H3 before the car.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, that did this. I only know about them because of your podcast. Because of the Other, podcast. Otherwise,
0: I'm like, who the hell's yeah. that? I like Googled them. I can't find yeah. them. <laughs> H, H3. And the founder is a friend of ours of the show. And uh, I had conversations with him about why wouldn't this work? Because I actually joined the service. I knew someone that wanted a recruiting job. I referred them. Yep. They had sort of the the unique URL. They tracked it through the, uh, I guess, ATS at the time. And then I actually literally got a check in the mail because I referred that person to the job. And that seemed like an amazing business to me. (laughs) Like, if you could somehow harness that, it didn't work. Yeah. And when you talk to uh, Hans is the guy's name who founded it. When you talk to Hans, he says that social media wasn't there. Uh, at the time, but more importantly, there was a generational cultural opinion that you don't just shotgun jobs or yeah. you, you don't, it's something you don't just shout from the mountaintops. Is it your opinion that Gen Z, younger millennials, like they don't give a fuck, they'll yeah, share yeah. the shit. Hey, Why would I want to get paid. Yeah. yeah.
2: And, and I'll tell you, like, and this is a great point because we have this conversation with customers all the time. One of the questions I'll ask is like, well, if they're sharing it on social, do we want to give them the same amount of credit? if they refer them. I'm like, well, what, what problem are you trying to solve? Start with that. Yeah. And if the problem is that you don't have enough candidates, then who gives a shit, right? Like get them any way you can. And usually they're like, yeah, you're right. And I was like, and I'll tell you what, once you hit 35% hires from referrals, scale it back. Part of the problem, uh, going back to your earlier question, where people were just missing, is that, is that the, the nuanced details of actually taking their paper policy and then putting it into software is really hard to scale, right? Yeah. And what I mean by that is, do you want to treat a social share different than a direct referral? Your, your program be, better be able to differentiate that yeah. and handle that, and it should be able to have analytics on that as well, so that you can make those decisions. And that's that's really what we do. Like that, when I say like your ATS doesn't touch that, your ATS doesn't go that deep. Yeah. Like we go like literally as deep as you can on the on this topic, and everything we've ever built has like been designed from our customers. Not to get off too off track. Jumping back here. I think that is a little bit data of a mindset, but I also think it's it's always again like what problem you're trying to solve, what outcome you're trying to drive, mm-hmm. and if you're having a hard time hiring, I'd say who cares how you get the candidates as long as they're quality, and then have the ability to scale that and calibrate that as you go. So that if you are getting spammed with a bunch of junk, then like maybe maybe that's not part of your plan. Most customers don't care about that right now.
0: and wasted spending. And hello to optimized automated campaigns that produce qualified applicants. At Acquire ROI, we make job advertising easy. Visit us at acquireroi.com and start transforming your talent acquisition today. So your product is primarily employees that work at the company to to empower them to market, share jobs, etc. It's not for the, the world at large yeah. to find out, oh, Microsoft has a job. I know I'm not an employee of Microsoft, but I know someone who might be good for this. I'm going to share that. It's not part of that, as I understand. Is it going to be? Do you have an opinion on keeping it in-house versus letting the world know yeah. about these opportunities?
2: I mean, this is, and that's kind of like going back to your H3 question, right? Honestly, that was like the original like ideation of this product, which is like anybody can be a referrer. Actually, a great use of like a decentralized thing, right? Which is like log in on the blockchain. And I mean, hired was it hired? com they basically yeah. did this yeah. like hey anybody can be a recruiter uh and then so they still charge the same bullshit fees that a recruiter would, ch- a external yeah. recruiter would charge but a huge miss right like yeah. so one i mean like, look marketplaces in general hard b2b is a lot different than b2c and you're essentially talking about mixing both together and it takes a lot of money a lot of time a lot of presence to really build that you know i do have an opinion that it pulls a little bit too far away from the quality at that point but the biggest thing, because we, we've tackled that specific problem with some other people and we've allowed them to do that in certain ways, the biggest thing is taxes. Like how do you if you if you're giving a real bonus for that or anything worth value? Which you need to to catch anybody's attention, the paperwork is not worth it. Because I already have 10,000 employees, why do I need thir- 350 million, right? Like the 10,000 can do it better than the 350 million and I don't want to have to get 1099s for all of them, right? Yeah. So like, at least in our customer base, like they're struggling enough as it is in terms of like resources to then like handle the paperwork for non-employees is, is would be a nightmare. That's usually what kills that conversation. Interesting. We, we can do it, but. Usually they decide our customers decide not to do it Got because it. it's just not worth it. Got it.
0: So you raised uh, five million dollars late last year. Yep. Uh, what has the money gone toward? Uh, is our new Do you raises, see these Chad and cheese obviously t-shirts? the Chad and cheese? Yeah, I mean, uh, like these are
2: these are <laughs> nice hats shirts. So like, most of it went to the shirts.
0: Uh, big part
2: of it went to the Chad, the cutout. sloths, and yeah. the,
0: uh, the, ch- the cardboard Chad and the T shirts.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's nice cardboard though. It stands up. Really oh, tall. it's it's uh, top it's, of the line
0: cardboard so as only Chad would would want it.
2: <laughs> so so we had early success through the pandemic and right after right like we're not like some like instant success story it was two years of grinding it out and then the pandemic created a situation where people wanted to invest in more nuanced ways of recruiting and, yeah. and referrals has always been the gold standard we got it uh, so we were able to build enough of like really product market fit over the last two years and that drove the the round and that round was based on what we are today and also what we can become going back to some of the other stuff that I just shared with you. So that said, I mean, mostly growth, right? Like, so like you see here, we have the, the bigger booth. I mean, we're not going to be like HR tech crazy few more big people booth. people in the booth. Yeah, you know, a few more people. So we hired people. salespeople, marketing people. We doubled the size of the company in the last you know, six months. But we're still... I'll tell you, raising money um, last year was a really cool experience because, like, we were profitable Uh and then raised money and, you just advice for other entrepreneurs out there. It's 2023. If you do not have a path to profitability or you're not profitable already, you're not getting the money you want. So, like, that has to be a number one focus. So while we're spending that to grow faster and it's been working, we're still, like, super cautious of just, like, what's next and what's the world going to bring to us. And we want, we want like our growth to kind of, to fund that more than anything. So, so the round has been awesome. It's given us flexibility, but more than anything,
0: like our, our customer base has been growing the business. So are you actively looking for new funding? It sounds from like, from your comments that it's a much more challenging environment.
2: These shows are like half, half, uh, I said wolves and I'm a little sheep, right? Uh Like they're all just like circling me. Like there he is, (laughs) get him, get him. I think, uh, part of a CEOs responsibility is always fundraising um, whether you need the money or not you should always have options um, the the time we're in right now is uh, the people that need the money the people with it don't want to give it to them and the people that don't need the money the people with it want to give it to them uh, we want to be in that second category right so so we operate our business as if we're never going to raise another round again however we um, like, look, I mean, I, I just I told you the 10-year plan, which is there'll be less people in talent acquisition. They'll have different roles. It's like when okay. ATMs came to banks, right? Everybody thought, oh, like we're never gonna have tellers again. So you no, know, like the, the jobs are still there. They just did different things, right? So AI is coming in, and that's your ATM. I think the space is gonna change pretty dramatically over the next 10 years. And I I like the fact that so many businesses have done referrals and have failed. And one thing investors always start with is like, HR tech's a crowded space. I'm like, it's a crowded space with a bunch of bullshit. It all looks like crap. None of it integrates or works the way you think it does. So when you get good products in there, there's actually a lot of, there's a ton of potential for this space. And we we want to be on the, not only the cutting edge, I'd say even the bleeding edge of that at some point. Um, so, so referrals is a pretty safe and traditional play, yeah. but I see a ton of potential. So our future rounds of funding would fund those bigger efforts. Okay. And, and like I said, you know, being a referral product forever, like our story could be that we just get gobbled up like
0: the others have, or we can drive some really cool shit in the future and, and really cool shit takes a lot of money. I like cool shit. You mentioned integrations. How important has that been to your growth?
2: hundred uh, percent. So listen, I'll tell you, I didn't know what an ATS was when I launched this company. That, <laughs> that's how
0: outside I was,
2: right? I'm, I'm looking like an, And I'll tell you, um, trying to think of all the assholes that told me no in the beginning. Like there there was a list of ATS. They were like, uh, you ever see, remember the show, uh, was it uh, Billy Madison? Yeah. The movie? W- yeah. Or the movie. <laughs> but when he calls the one dude and he's like, hey, I just want to apologize <laughs> for being a dick to you in high school and he like crosses them off the kill list Uh like that's like that was like me with ATSs back in the day I'm like these are these are all the dudes that told me no Uh right we're not going to touch your startup you can't integrate with us and then I did it anyway and then they came back and they're like oh like you actually know when people are unhappy with our product because they're investing in things that we do poorly, yeah. which is referrals. So maybe we should actually be friends with you. So like I love hate relationship with some, but um, critical. I mean, like every, we have one customer that's not integrated. Wow. Every So not only ATS is we do the full tech stack at this point. So as our product evolved, we realized you needed, like, it's not just about candidates. It's also about hey, like employees and like eligibility, that stuff's not in the ATS, it's in the HRIS system. So uh, we integrate there, we integrate uh, with single sign-on. So it's truly the whole tech stack, but out of our own ignorance, the way we did that was basically out of those systems into ours. So it's made those integrations a lot more painless than people expect yep. so that we can come in and like, look, if you're a greenhouse customer, you plug in the API and it works. If you're Workday, it's like, here's the RAS report we need. And like, they're, they're oh, we're ready to do that for our website. So yeah. so we keep it pretty standard. And that's allowed us to to streamline that and, and make it, you know, honestly, probably the easiest, like, full tech HR tech stack integration that people have done.
0: You said referrals were the gold standard of recruiting. Why?
2: There's a few reasons for it. And one, I mean, it the the when you think about starting a company, you really what you're looking for is something that's done on spreadsheets today and you want to make it better, right? Because if they're doing it on spreadsheets, that means they're doing it and it's important to them. But I mean, everybody's had a referral policy for decades. The the referrals are the gold standard because one, it's a faster hiring cycle and it gives you a better, better quality candidate. And that's measured really by retention, right? And the biggest reason for that, people don't always think about this, is that when you get a referral, they actually know shit about your business that your job description is not telling. Them. Yeah. Like the dirty laundry has been aired. It's like, yeah. here's how it works. And here's what the job really is. And when you get a high quality referral that comes through that, they know what they're getting into. And they already have some people inside the business. So they, you know, like culturally, it's easier to fit in faster. Um, everybody listening to this has either hi- been hired by a referral or have made a referral before. Yeah. Like, this is my buddy they're a good person. I worked with them before. You're basically putting out some credibility for them and you're, you're like putting your reputation within the company on the line. And so that, that creates overall just a better candidate for everybody.
0: One of the criticisms of referral programs is this uh, DEI. Yeah, yeah. As soon as I said
2: it, I'm like, oh, like, like I know. On, where man, he's I, I'm, with I'm this. trying yeah, to yeah. sound
0: really smart yeah. with my question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which never works anyway. <laughs> but yes, it's if if I just empower my employees, <laughs> they're yep. all going to look the same because they all know people. Yeah, look yeah, yeah, like them. yeah. 100. You clearly don't agree with that, but why not?
2: Well, no, uh, well so so like you're basically saying you're anti-DEI on your employee base, which is kind of fucked up. But I I hear the premise. We actually. So we talked about buzzwords, right? So 2018 was blockchain and AI. 2019 was DEI. Do you remember that? Like sure. if you didn't have a DEI product. A like, oh, dude, we were an early stage startup. We had a DEI in play. I mean, and, and it actually worked. So what we did is is we had a, um, it's a diversity hire um, incentive, right? So you can plug this into anything you want. Like if you want to hire a uh, woman on the sales team or, uh, you know, veterans, right? Uh, whatever it may be essentially, and now we didn't source any data on it. We just said, hey, if you want to reward people actually participating in your DEI effort, here's a way to actually do that. Because the the problem with DEI is that it's limited to just a talent acquisition team, right? In marketing, obviously, right? So, So what I mean by that is like, it's easy to say we have a DEI initiative, but to actually get your company to do that at whole, you actually have no way to do that. So when you say, hey, but we'll reward you and pay you to participate in that process because that's important to us as a business so much so that we'll pay you double the referral bonus if you give us a DEI hire, uh, then we'll be good. So what we did is essentially like if the ATS tells us this person's qualified, like we we do nothing to source because, uh, you know, that it's just a slippery slope right there. But it basically, if, and it could just be a recruiter checking the box at the end of the day. It then triggers a, like a bigger bonus amount for that employee and it notifies them like, hey, you've participated in the DI program. Here's a bigger bonus. So I'll give you a simple example. We had a customer in Spain. So all the all the people in legal right now are like just licking their chops, like <laughs> going to go after them. So this is in Spain, they're not in the US. So, and I always tell people, "We got to talk to your legal team before we yeah. do anything. Like we're just the product. Their sales team was heavily male dominated. So they double the bonus if you uh, refer a female to work uh, in the sales team. So a simple example, but it's effective. Yeah. And it says, this is what we want to do as a business and we'll pay you
0: for it. There are a lot of people here at the Sherm National Show. It's a general show. You're getting a lot of people that are in their 20s or just getting started yeah. out in the profession. For the listeners out there who are new to referrals, they're just starting to look at companies and solutions, what kind of questions should they be asking? What kind of things should they be looking at to justify uh, who they pick to run their program?
2: Yeah, I mean, like, look, I, I think it's um, the very first thing is... What's your policy look like? And if you're going to work with a vendor like, like Aaron, can they actually automate every part of your policy? Because the whole point is to eliminate manual work. And by eliminating manual work, you can actually give real-time feedback to your employees. So like it's it's not just making your job easier. It's making the experience better for yep. everybody. So eliminating that manual work is key. Uh, the second thing is most people approach this from like a one-size-fits-all solution. But the reality is, especially if you're a large enterprise... So you're going to have hundreds or thousands of locations in multiple countries. And usually the policies are broken down that way. And whether you want to maintain that or not, the reality is some people, some areas, locations, branches, countries, they're going to perform better than others. And not only does the product need to be able to understand that structure, but it needs to be able to give you analytics. Cause you, cause like, look, Tech is tech. You need to know what's working and you need to double down on that. So by getting analytics broken down and saying, like, hey, it turns out nursing in Manhattan, we're getting through the roof referrals for it, but in Pittsburgh, we're getting none. Like, why is that? Maybe it's a manager problem, maybe it's a communication problem. But if you don't have that data point, you can't make that decision. So regardless of how good the tech is, like it needs to be it needs to break down the data in a way that you can ingest that and make decisions. Cause it's like you launch this thing. Six months later, you got to relaunch it, right? You're going to take what's good, double down on it, take what's bad and cut it out. So th- those are the two big things. Automate the policy completely and then make sure that it's set up to structure the data in
0: a way where you can get intelligence that you don't have today. Yeah. And how is your pricing structured and how is it different than maybe some of your competitors?
2: Yeah, so early on when we launched, we came out. I mean, RulePoint was the big they big dogs back in the day. It's fun because like immediately we launched and we're competing with... The big dogs in the space, a 30-employee company, like, man. So we went head-to-head with them. They got bought up Job Bite, uh, and I kind of cleared the space. There was a bunch of other players in the space, and we we actually brought their pricing down because we got so effective so early on. And we were just kind of like desperate for sales, I'm not going to lie, yeah. that it like dragged everybody else down to them for them to the price match us as our product uh, outplayed theirs. So uh, when that happened, it kind of set the standard. We do it based on number of employees that you have, right? Yeah. So whether you're using the product or not, it's how big of a company are you? And part of that is because... We have features that are focused on all employees, marketing to them, getting them onboarding them into the system, processing their eligibility data, um, and giving you analytics on it. You know, even if you have you know fifty percent using it, so so we base it on your size. We take that into account, and then now we have different things that you can add on. We fully white label our product for our enterprise customers. Okay, so like that—that's a small extra fee. We don't we try to say like we don't make any money on it, but. It's more work so but it makes adoption easier right so something we want we really encourage our customers to do but it's essentially how big are you and what features do you want but the foundations and size
0: so you're saying size matters at aaron
2: you know what thankfully this is i'll not get the, to the next question this is not the case in college for me <laughs> but now size does
0: matter <laughs> i'll let you out on this uh we're here in the aaron booth we're giving away chad and cheese t-shirts the only thing more popular than the chad and cheese t-shirt is the sloth it is the sloth. tell me about the sloth
2: yeah great great question scrappy young startup. We actually come to our first germ a couple of years ago. They re- they moved it multiple times because of the pandemic. They ended up putting us up front. Like in this, we had this awesome boot spot. And where the question was like, what are we going to give away? And my past experience in startups, I'm like, nobody wants your garbage. Mm-hmm. Like, they're going to throw it out. They throw away the cheap t-shirts. That's why we have to do the higher quality. You you wrestled us into the $11 t-shirts oh, instead of the yep. $6 ones. I liked the scratchiness of the $6 ones, but, you know, whatever. Hey, you can uh, have all the beefy tees yeah. <laughs> as, well, as far as I'm concerned. But it's like, what are you going to give away somebody actually will keep and not, like, just throw away? And the real answer to that is something they can give their kids so we got these floppy arm sloths floppy arm sloths people they ate them up i mean lines around the booth and it just kind of became our thing yeah so like we're the sloth people now like we have t-shirts with sloths on it in the the company culture like it's really good to anchor early stage startup because like like you're going to work yourself like 60 hour weeks sure. everybody's busting their ass anchor the culture in something silly and it's sloths like we have you know sloth posters in the office uh, i told you earlier all our conference rooms are Sloth like movies replaced with sloths, like uh-huh. instead of jaws, it's claws yep. and sloth man prophecies. Clever. So, like, and not only that, like our customers really enjoy it as well. So, we'll send them care packages. It's crazy how much sloth shit you can buy on Amazon, like, but it's <laughs> all over our office. Like, we need, we needed a coat hanger. And I'd search for sloth coat hangers oh and they exist, God. right? Like, Jeez. so yeah, it's just anchored in, like, it was like just an innocent was thing. Was the fact that sloths are slow the, put into uh, the equation? We, it's just like we came with the name and worked backwards on the acronym. It's like okay. we make your slowest uh, recruiters fast or slowest. I mean, I like the no pressure, in. the no stress. Yeah, like, uh, I get okay. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll use that <laughs> one moving forward. Yeah. So,
0: anyway, so the sloths mean like no pressure, no stress, yep. things like that, right? All right. All right. Good enough. <laughs> Well, Mike, thanks for hosting us here at uh, Sherm. For our listeners that want to know more about you or the company, where would you send them? They will go to erinapp.com,
2: E-R-I-N-A-P-P.com.
0: I I can dig it. And we have closed down. The lights are going out They got at (laughs) Sherm. Another one in the can. Thanks for sitting down with us. We out.
1: Wow. Look at you. You made it through an entire episode of the Chat and Chase podcast. Or maybe you cheated and fast-forwarded to the end. Either way, there's no doubt you wish you had that time back. Valuable time you could have used to buy a nutritious meal at Taco Bell, enjoy a pour of your favorite whiskey, or just watch big booty Latinas and bugfights on TikTok. No, you hung out with these two chuggleheads instead. Now go take a shower and wash off all the guilt. Let's save some soap because you'll be back like an awful train wreck you can't look away and like chad's favorite western you can't quit them either we out how much do you understand the future of finance i'm jim roose a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast banking transform